welcome to the Live to 110 podcast. I'm your host, Wendy Myers. You can find me on LiveTo110.com. And here is my co-host, the tough as nails, General Lee of GeneralLee.com. Hi, everybody. Today, we are going to be interviewing Dr. Lawrence Wilson of DRLWilson.com. It's one of my favorite websites. I've learned so much on there and get so many of my questions answered. But today, we're going to be exploring the topic of estrogen dominance, uh, which contributes to countless health issues, including cancer and reproductive issues, infertility, etc., Whether you're aware of it or not, you are constantly exposed to estrogenic chemicals that are found everywhere. They're in the air you breathe, in the products you use, the food that you eat, and the water that you drink. And it's really sad. Every client that comes to me typically has um, some degree of estrogen dominance, especially the women. And this is clearly problematic at younger and younger ages Uh, We are exposed to so many estrogenic chemicals that women are suffering health issues, including cancer and fibroids and endometriosis, et cetera, at younger and younger ages. And this is why. So this is a very important podcast that I wanted to bring to you listeners' attention. Um, People don't realize that in the past 40 years, the rates of estrogen-related disorders and cancer in both sexes have reached epidemic proportions never before seen in history. For instance, the age of puberty has dropped to as low as eight years of age. Endometriosis affects 10% of all women in their 30s and 40s. A PMS affects uh, close to 30% of women, as you men may know. Uh, <laughs> uterine fibroids affect almost 25% of women from ages 35 to 50. Breast cancer afflicts co- close to 10% of women, which is terrible. Men are having problems with fertility, decreased libido, improperly formed sex organs, gynecomastia, or man boobs. And men, women, and children today are also notably fatter due to the uh, effects of excess estrogen. But that was a tongue twister. So needless to say, it's a huge problem that you need to be aware of. But first, we have to do our little disclaimer. That's right. Well, this is generally, and I am in the 30% affected by PMS. Let me state that for the record. (laughs) Please keep in mind that this program is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. The Live to 110 podcast is solely informational in nature. Please consult your healthcare practitioner before engaging in any treatment that we suggest on this show. I know when you said that, that you're affected by PMS, my coffee almost came up through my nose. (laughs) Oh, wow. Good timing on that one. support that claim, so, you know. Yeah, too bad we're not doing a video podcast, because that would have been really funny. So everyone, if you're interested in shedding some of those holiday pounds, which we know you put on, uh, you can download my Live to 110 by Wangless e-guide on liveto110.com. I should have gotten a URL that I can actually pronounce. Um, (laughs) I have no business doing a podcast. I cannot pronunciate things. But I've always been tempted to work with a a speech therapist or a vocal coach (laughs) because as Lee's, you know, you know, we're both from Texas. So I'm grew up in Texas with this drawl that even when I say drawl, I draw it out and then come to California and I have this Valley girl accent and it's just a horrible (laughs) affliction. I do not wish on my worst enemy. Valley girl with a twang. Oh God, it's bad. 
So even when I listen to myself on the podcast, I'm listening back. I'm like, oh, gosh, this sounds terrible. So anyway, so if you guys want to download my weight loss guide, just check out the big welcome graphic on live to 110.com. See, I can't say it still. Uh, put in your email and then you'll get that free guide immediately. It's I spent a lot of work on that. It's a 35-page e-guide. It's very, very thorough. I highly recommend it. And you'll also get my 14-part email series on the modern paleo diet. So I hope you like reading because <laughs> they're, they're long emails. <laughs> you have a lot of stuff going on. How, how's that book coming? along of yours it's done i can't hallelujah Hallelujah. (laughs) it's a miracle um i love how diane sanfilippo of balancedbites.com puts it that writing a health book is the most unhealthy thing i've ever done (laughs) (laughs) because basically um I was up many, many nights stressing out, thinking about, I mean, it's a really, really fun process. I love writing and I love trying to communicate my message to people on how to get healthy. It's really fills me every day. I love it. Um, but it, you know, it's, it is stressful writing a book. It takes a tremendous amount of time in addition to running the website and writing blog posts, etc. And even my last hair test showed that I was stressed out. Because there are certain markers on it that you can see. It shows a stress pattern, and mine just went nuts. It was a, a pattern I'd never seen on my hair mineral analysis before. <laughs> I wonder if it would be the same if you pull my hair when my mom's in town. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we can do that. We can do a hair test next time mom's in town. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, so it was really interesting that my hair test showed that. that Because I, you know, of course, reading in my little nutritional balancing textbook that, uh, you know, your hair patterns will show stress, like if you've had surgery or or whatever it is, mom's in town. So it was, it was interesting that my hair test showed that. But anyways, it's finally done. My baby's at the graphic designers, and I'm going to do a PDF version that you can just, you know, click download onto your computer and start reading it. Um, but if you, you know, want to get more techie and you've got your little smartphone, iPhone or your Android, etc., you can download a EPUB or e-reader version of that onto your smartphone. I'm also going to have a Kindle format. For those of you in Kindle land, prefer Amazon. So the book's also going to be on Amazon. And basically, I wanted to write this book to show everyone how to take paleo to the next level. Because frankly, the traditional paleo diet, it's it's too basic and it's a little outdated, frankly. So what I have is a version of my book. It's called The Modern Paleo Diet. And it's just about taking paleo to the next level. I've got a chapter on every different type of food. It just breaks it down so that you know which vegetables are the most nutritious. It's all about nutrient density. Which fruits are the most nutrient dense? What forms of nut butter should you be eating? Should you be eating potatoes and grains and legumes? I break everything down all backed by scientific studies and data. Um, so that you can eat the most nutrient-dense paleo diet. Um, then I go into um, all about lifestyle tips and so that you can you know, basically work with your body, how our bodies have evolutionarily been designed to exercise, to sleep. Um, I go into earthing. I go into all kinds of interesting little tips because we are totally out of sync with how our bodies are, are designed to work. The how we've evolved over the millions and millions of years. So we've got to get back to kind of biohack our body and figure out how what is the best way to live, the best lifestyle that is conducive to health. 
And most importantly, the book is also about detoxification because even if you eat the healthiest paleo diet in the world, you won't live a long disease-free life unless you detox from heavy metals and industrial chemicals that are a reality of our modern environment. Cavemen were not subject to this deluge of chemicals. There's 100,000 chemicals unleashed in our environment, industrial chemicals. There's tons of heavy metals that we are absorbing because of nutrient-poor diets. And so I have a chapter in the book called Detoxify or Die. It's very dramatic. And that goes into exactly how and why you need to detox and the most effective methods. And so that's the book in a nutshell. And it's going to be for sale, uh, for pre-sale uh, pretty soon on liveto110.com. Actually, by the time this comes out, it will be available for pre-sale. And um, so I'm just, I'm really proud of my little baby. I'm proud of you too. That's so awesome. I love, I really still... Every time I hear you talk about detoxify or die, I just think about the foundation of our body. You cannot just pile stuff on good stuff on top of a, a bad foundation. So I really I love that. I think it's great. So have you ever had anyone affected with estrogen-related health issues like cancer or fibroids or anything like that? My best friend from college, you know, at a very young age, started having um, fibroids and ended up later being diagnosed with endometriosis. And what's crazy is, you know, I remember what, what she had to cut out or her doctor told her was the one thing would help her is cutting out her coffee. So I'm excited to tell her she might be able to have that cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's not the only thing going to help her. But she ended up having surgeries on those fibroids. And I think, you know, we talked about earlier that there there's sometimes better ways to go about things and that this is a healable uh, a disease, you know, in other ways. So yeah, a lot of people, you know, Western medicine treats estrogen-related disorders in certain ways, but the problem is um, a lot of treatments don't work. Um, I have friends with endometriosis that the doctors, you know, they're obviously not curing that. Um, they're cutting fibroids out, um, but the fact remains the environment that caused those health issues in the first place remains because it's a systemic problem. And that's why I focus on diet and detoxification, detoxifying your environment, because that's the only way you're truly going to heal these disorders. Um, it's, you're not going to take a medication or get surgery. Fibroids come back, cancer comes back, all these things are a systemic problem. And so that's why, you know, you, you know, Western medicine doesn't always have all the answers. Um, so we got to give it a little bit of helping hand with some of the natural things we're going to be suggesting on the show today. Well, I love what you said because, you know, what she's dealing with is it has recurred over and over and over. So I'm excited for her to hear this podcast and really get some more information. Yeah, I know because most of my clients, they have estrogen-related disorders as well. I have many clients that have fibroids. Um, don't have one with endometriosis yet, but, um, you know, just lots and lots of problems. Lots of women are copper toxic, which, um, you know, estrogen and copper tend to go together. So if anyone's copper toxic on their hair test, we know that they have some estrogen issues going on. And so it's just, it's a big, big problem. Um, I had it as well. When I went to my doctor, I, when I was vegetarian for a couple of years, um, I went to my doctor and. Um, I just did not feel good. I just, I couldn't think and I was just not feeling well. And the doctor found out that even though my estrogen was really, really low, it was much higher in relation to progesterone. So even though my estrogen was super low, I still had estrogen dominance. So, which is kind of what we're going to discuss today on the show. 
So today we're going to be talking, obviously, about estrogen dominance with Dr. Lawrence Wilson. Dr. Wilson has a medical degree, but has chosen to work as a nutritional consultant only, having performed hair mineral analysis on over 50,000 patients over the course of 30 years. And he has specialized in nutritional balancing science, a method of improving health that he originally learned from Dr. Paul Eck, a brilliant biochemist and founder of Analytical Research Laboratories, which is one lab where hair mineral testing is performed to determine a targeted mineral, I'm sorry, targeted nutritional balancing program that I'm constantly blabbing about on the show. And uh, Dr. Wilson is the author of five books, um, having co-authored or contributed chapters for many more. And he's also written many research papers and over 900 articles on his website, drlwilson.com. Dr. Wilson, thank you so much for coming on the show. So what's your story? What is your history and how did you become such a huge proponent of nutritional balancing science using hair mineral analysis? Okay, well, I'll try to keep it brief. Um, I know we want to talk about a a nutritional topic. Um, I would say my interest in natural healing uh, began when I was about 20. that was when my brother was diagnosed with um, um, Hodgkin's disease, and that was in the 1970s. And um, for a couple of years, I just uh, I just accepted everything. I was raised around medical people on the East Coast. They they don't, were not familiar with natural healing methods at all. Um, but one day, I, I I stumbled on a book that talked about a group of people who never got sick. And it was the Hunza people in Asia. And I found my way to a health food store, and I found a book about the Hunzas. And all of a sudden, I was all excited about this because I was terrified. I was uh, young myself. My brother was even younger than I was. He was about 16 when he was diagnosed. And, he didn't, and, and it was late in age, and you know, they didn't give him uh, much hope for living very long. The whole thing was rather shocking. And so for the next 10 years, I floundered around. I tried all kinds of diets and systems. I studied macrobiotics, Michio Kushi. I studied um, raw food um, and vegetarian systems. And um, uh, there were there were a lot of people in the in the Boston area where I was. And I I tried to learn all these different systems. It was completely confusing. And at the same time, I was also letting go of my childhood upbringing, which is that the doctors know everything and you just do what they tell you, because I would take articles to them, to my brother's doctors, and he was getting very good care in New York, and um, they, would, they would shrug their shoulders, they were usually nice to me, they said, well, you know, if there was anything to this, we'd be doing it, but as I found out later that they didn't really know about this, they really didn't know about all the natural healing methods, and particularly uh, remedies and systems for cancer that I was researching. I got her library card to the Harvard Medical Library, and I spent time at the New York Academy of Medicine Library. Both are among the best in America. Um, and my own health, meanwhile, went downhill. I went off to medical school because my family said, uh, you know, we're not going to listen to you because you're not a doctor. And so I ended up going to school. That was not a good reason for it. And um, I wanted to go to some kind of a natural school, but my family very medically oriented, so they said, we comp- 
was very rough on my health. Um, and I continued to research, to try things, learning things. I lived in a natural hygiene spa where they did fasting. Um, I studied with some of the natural hygiene and other uh, vegetarian type people. Um, I had Weston Price's book, and I was I actually gave talks and um, quoted that book left and right. I researched um, a man named William Frederick Koch, brilliant guy in Detroit, um, and uh, things like that. Anyway, um, I ended up in Phoenix, Arizona. I uh, was not feeling well at all. And I went to a health expo in Dr. Paul Eck. And I, would, I was already doing the Kelly Metabolic Cancer Therapy Program myself. And Dr. Kelly just did not give credit. He just said it was all his stuff. Um, the little echo, is that okay, Wendy? Yeah, it's, it's fine. All right. And um, so it turns out that Dr. Eck had taught Dr. Kelly. And Dr. Eck was the first one who said, I'll teach you all this stuff. And it didn't come from me. And he told me about George Watson. He told me about Hans Selyer. And he told me about um, El- Melvin Page, where he got his information. And Dr. Eck? I, I had a little office, a nutrition office. I decided I would try Dr. Eck's system. I thought Dr. Eck was a pretty wild guy. And it worked. The results were better. Um, and so I decided to study his system. And I actually wanted to work for him one day a week. Um, and at the same time, I kept my little office, and I tried many systems of nutrition, many systems. I did the blood type diet with people. Um, I read all kinds of books and tried different systems. But I kept coming back to Dr. X's system, which, by the way, was not that well developed. Uh, there were a lot of things that were not done the same way as they are today. Dr. Eck was learning himself, and uh, he gave me all kinds of stuff that turned out to be wrong, I remember, and uh, so on. He was not very uh, involved with diet. He was mostly involved with supplements, and he was, um, he was all learning all this himself. And so I was, par- I was working with him when he developed a lot of the products and uh, some, some of the pr- protocols and procedures. Um, and I slowly recovered my health, and I helped a lot of people. I had a large practice in Phoenix for about 16 years, 15 years, something like that. And I kept coming back to Paul Hecht's work because while none of it was perfect by any means, I got the best results with his system. Um, and so that is, that's why I became a proponent of his system. I thought it was crazy at the beginning, especially the emotional you know, that if you had a lot of iron, you were often angry. <clears throat> if you had a lot of copper, you are probably afraid. If you had a lot of cadmium, you were probably macho. Um, you know, this kind of stuff sounded absolutely kooky to me with my medical degree, and I had studied nutrition for about 10 years. Um, but it was very, very kind of unusual. But Paul Eck was quite a researcher. Uh, my image of him is surrounded by books surrounded by books. He was an original researcher. He also had a house in Northern California, and he would drive from Phoenix to Northern California, about a 14-hour drive, maybe more, 
put a big book, like a book on lead poisoning, on the steering wheel of the car, and he would read the whole book. <laughs> and how he stayed alive, I don't know. You know, why he didn't have a car accident. But that was Paul Eck. And Paul Eck wanted everything right. He wanted everything right. And he used to tell me, hair analysis doesn't lie. And he used to pride himself on researching things. And he could remember. See, I'm not an academic researcher like that. But he was. He was an academic researcher. Plus, he was a clinician. And he was a very widely read man. That means he read Oriental philosophy and he read all the um, types of nutritional books out there. He was a big fan of Adele Davis, who was one of the early uh, sort of uh, modern nutritionists. And um, he also knew about natural healing. He had gone to a natural healing school himself, the naturopathic school in Chicago. Um, And he, he knew many, many people. He had worked for a guy named Ellis, who developed a machine that the FDA absolutely hated, and they went around smashing up with sledgehammers. But it was quite a machine, and it uh, could measure the oxidation rate, and all kinds of things. And so um, he knew about all that. And all that went into his work. All that went into his work, and more. Yeah, it is. The nutritional so, balancing is quite a system. It's r- remarkable. It's an amazing system. And more you learn about it, the more you realize it incorporates all these things. I remember Paul Eck telling me, he said, Larry, the system that is closest to ours is acupuncture. And again, I thought that was crazy. I thought, what, what do you mean? <laughs> they use needles, you know? Um, and I didn't understand that for years. For years. Until I worked with an acupuncturist, and he started to tell me that we could identify the acupuncture patterns on the hair analysis. And we could do it better than he could do it with the pulses and the tongue diagnosis and all the things that they use. Um, and I was amazed. I was amazed because, you see, the truth should converge. The truth should converge. You, you know what I mean by that. In other words, it should be in acupuncture. It should be in all the sciences. Um, and your nutritional balancing, uh, I've come to believe, is simply the truth which is different than a system. Yeah. It's a, little, it's a little different than just, you know, Bob Jones's system, which he came up with after, you know, working at it for a while. No, it's a little bit different. This is basic science. This is basic science. Yeah. Why it happens to work the way it does, why it requires a hair sample, not a blood sample, I don't know exactly. Why it requires that the chart be arranged, that those minerals be arranged on a calibrated chart, in a particular way, I don't know why that is, but it does require it. You can't do this work if you don't have calcium, magnesium, sodium, potassium, you know, or in that order on a calibrated chart. And, of course, most of the labs don't have that. Yeah. Well, they arrange it alphabetically. Yeah, well, let's and, talk a little bit about estrogen dominance and, okay. and how... That's, that's, and then, by the way... Um, I want you to know that I, I got burned out on this work in 1996. Uh-huh. I, was, I thought I had gone as far as I could uh, with nutritional balancing, and I think I had pretty much because that was the year that Dr. Eck died, and the work was not fully developed, and I was sort of plateauing out. I, I wasn't getting any better. And so I sold my practice, and I moved uh, away from Phoenix, and um, 
with this work um, for about another eight years. And then, uh, although I remained a consultant for analytical research labs, and I also uh, had a small practice myself, you know, a few clients. But then, uh, uh, you know, I took it up again, uh, and I started working with it some more, and it started to develop, and I developed a sauna, and I added that, and it made such a difference, it wasn't funny. And I realized that um, I wanted to pursue this work more. And I just want you to know that. In other words, we all go through this at times. We start doubting things. We don't feel any better. And we think, well, this, this work doesn't work. But actually, the work needed refining. And so that's what I've been doing since that time, which was about 11 years ago. Okay, let's move on okay. <laughs> and, and talk about um, estrogen dominance. Maybe no. I'm sorry. Maybe before you go on, maybe do you want to switch to your to the telephone, the to the handset? Because I think your microphone is, um, you know, making a little All bit right. of reverberation. All right. Let me try that. Hello. Okay. Perfect. That's a little bit. It's much better. That's better. Okay. Yes, much All better. Right. Um, okay. Let's talk about estrogen dominance and. Um, uh, we'll figure out all these technical issues. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, so, what is estrogen now, dominance? What is that for someone who's never heard of that before? Well, my my definition, the definition that I've seen. First of all, I want you to know we don't focus on estrogen dominance because what we find is, is that the livers, in particular, are so toxic and such a mess that in some cases the estrogen levels are higher than the progesterone level which is one way to look at estrogen dominance. Um, but there are many uh, subtle you know, difficulties and problems with the liver, and also, of course, you can have estrogen. You can get estrogens from uh, chemicals and other sources. And so they do talk about that as estrogen dominance, and that's usually what uh, doctors mean by it, unless, unless you want to refine that for me. Can it be? Uh, can it be estrogen your body makes? Can it be synthetic estrogens that cause that? Well, the the cause is there are many possible contributing factors, um, and you mentioned a few of them when you wrote these questions to me. Uh, the diet can have to do with it because estrogens are found in animal fat, particularly meats and animal fat, and particularly that of unhealthy animals who themselves have estrogen dominance. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, they're given hormones. So it can come from dietary things. It can also come from the diet because there are um, estrogen-mimicking chemicals in the environment, and those get into your food. They're found in plastics and pesticides. Um, are I think the word is estrogen, estrogen-mimetic, meaning estrogen-like chemicals, and they they bind to estrogen receptor sites in the body. Uh, personal care products is another source of them. Again, many, many chemicals and preservatives and other things like that. Uh, medications can contribute. Um, certainly people who are um, long-term use of actually a lot of drugs. It's not just uh, birth control pills or something like that. It could be other um, medications that affect the liver. Pesticides we mentioned. Um, metalloestrogens. Um, 
I'm not sure what that refers to, except that a lot of metal products are toxic, and they, they affect the liver. Um, and then obesity, I don't know that that is a cause, but it could be associated with it, certainly, depending on what, what you eat. Yeah. And I was thinking now, so, fat, fat isn't a kind of active substance that produces estrogen, so the more fat you have, the more estrogen you could produce. Yes, yes. The, their fatty tissue is associated with estrogen. Okay. Um, so, whether it's animal fat, eating a lot of animal fat, which is one problem with some of the diets, like the, uh, the Weston Price, where they're telling everybody to eat a lot of fat, you know, um, that, that's a problem because of that, getting too much. Yeah. Too much. And so, so what kinds of health issues is estrogen dominance causing in our society? Well, as I say, I, I look at it as um, if, if you had a healthy liver and kidneys, but particularly the liver, a lot of this wouldn't be a matter. It wouldn't be a problem. It, uh, your, your liver would handle the estrogens. It would detoxify the estrogens, and you'd be okay. But when the estrogens build up, um, one of the biggest ones is cancer. Estrogen is the carcinogen. It is, you know, one of the most carcinogenic substances there is. Um, and so certainly cancers of all types is one of the major problems. Another one would be all kinds of female problems, which uh, are certainly made worse or can be made worse by, um, by estrogen. What they call estrogen dominance, which, as I say, is just one liver imbalance. It's just one type of liver imbalance that happens to be common. And by the way, it is very common. I don't know what the holistic doctors, you know, in terms of the statistics, what they claim as far as how many people have estrogen dominance. But I would say it's I would say it's a common imbalance. So, how is estrogen dominance determined? Can you determine it on medical tests, on hair mineral analysis? Well, I don't think the hair test is reliable. That's what I told you earlier. In the hair test, you can look at uh, the sodium-potassium ratio because sodium is more associated with estrogen, potassium is more associated with progesterone, but it's not a reliable indicator. You can also look at copper and zinc and that ratio, but I don't think that's reliable either. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't determine that from a hair test. Now, doctors can use hormone tests, um, to determine it, which can be blood tests or saliva tests. And I believe that's how most, uh, the ones that talk about it, but that's how they assess it. Okay. So can you have low estrogen levels, say from adrenal fatigue or menopause, and still suffer from estrogen dominance? Yes, I would say you could because it is a relative measure. In other words, it's estrogen in relation to usually progesterone, or other hormones. So you can have low estrogen, but you could also have even lower levels of other hormones. Did you have that? I did. I had. I remember I had really low estrogen when I went to my naturopathic doctor prior to uh, finding nutritional balancing, um, but I don't remember it, uh, the ratios of estrogen to progesterone. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you see, estrogen is not one hormone, as you know. There's estriol, uh, estradiol, um, estrone. So it's, it's more complicated than just 
there's total estrogens, but then there's all these, uh, they're, they're different estrogens. Yeah, well, she, she mentioned all of those, but she basically told me that my estrogens were the level of a menopausal woman, which made my day. <laughs> yeah. Well, it might have helped you understand why you felt the way you did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so what are some of the most common estrogenic products that contribute to estrogen dominance? Well, I don't know that I would single any out. Um, I know that some people, I would say fast, excessive fat in the mm-hmm. diet um, is one. Um, I don't think, we don't find a problem like with the plastic in the, in the water bottles. Um, we just don't find that to be a problem. Um, we find that, and you don't even have to do the saunas necessarily, but you can remove, the, the, I don't know, I just don't find that to be a major issue. I think pesticides are a major issue and that there are estrogen mimicking chemicals in there. Um, and that, and the pesticides are very widespread, as you know. They're all over the place. Yeah. Just because you eat organic, that's better, certainly, but it's not a guarantee because the soil may have been used with pesticides, they may sneak some pesticides in there, and there are also natural pesticides which are allowed, but they're still pesticides, and they can still be toxic to the liver and to other organs. Um, but I would say probably the pesticides are, are probably right up there, you know. Um, other chemical exposures would be the other thing, and body care products, are one of them because people slather this stuff all over their skin and their hair and their, you know, all, all kinds of things like that. And uh, so I would be careful. The, the fewer products you use on your body, generally the better. And use some old-fashioned soap because some of the, even the perfumes and the soaps and other chemicals um, can definitely be toxic. Yeah, the perfumes are what is estrogenic. They contain the phthalates that are estrogenic. Yes. Yes. Well, they contain many chemicals that are, when you say estrogenic, all it has to do is damage the liver in certain ways, the liver detoxification pathways, and it becomes estrogenic. That's all it has to do. It's not even, it has nothing to do with the chemical called estrogen necessarily. There are thousands of chemicals probably and toxic metals that damage the liver. And the liver is the organ that detoxifies estrogen gets rid of them <clears throat> so because the estrogens are made by your body at times you know and, and some of them are found in food um, but the liver has to get rid of them so any chemical that damages the liver is potentially able to um, damage the ratio of estrogens to other uh, chemicals so do you think you, a big big issue a lot of people have they're trying to get away from the plastic bottles and drink out of uh, drink just spring water out of a, a spring with their glass bottles or buy spring water yeah, we don't in glass find bottles. That to be a do you know why? We don't find that to be a problem. Like do you know why um, is the for whatever I, reason? I don't know whether it's because nutritional balancing programs balance the body and enable the liver to work better and get rid of that chemical or because the whole thing is overblown. Yeah. But, you know, one of the problems with the environmental community um, is that they will grab onto something, and if it has good PR, you know, they'll say, yeah, that's the problem with everything. And we find that the plastic bottles that the spring water comes in, uh, most of them are quite good. 
Yeah. Is there a tiny bit of something in there? Possibly. Possibly, yes. But good quality spring water is a, is a very remarkable product. I tell people it's a whole food. And we don't like messing around with water. You know, distilling it and then adding minerals and blessing it, you know, spinning it and doing all this stuff. It's a whole food, and like all whole foods, it comes from nature in a certain way. And it has certain protective properties about it, and it seems to do just fine in the plastic bottles. We do not have a problem with that. That is my observation. It's not ideological at all. Would it be nice if they were all in glass bottles? Uh, yes, I suppose it would, but it would make it much more expensive because the glass is so heavy. And um, so they don't, you know, the only one that I think that comes in glass bottles, well, there's a couple of them, of spring waters. And if you want to buy a glass bottle, that's fine. But I don't think you have to. Yeah, and I always kind of felt like even if I was getting a little bit of BPA or phthalates that are in the plastics, I feel like if I'm going in the sauna, I know the sauna, that which I do very regularly, that I know the sauna detoxes those chemicals. So the sauna I'm... helps. The, the program detoxes the chemicals. In other words, you have to make your body more young. You have to balance your body. You have to balance the mineral ratios, balance the oxidation rate. Um, and, and then the body will eliminate many, many more chemicals. The sauna helps. The coffee enemas help. Rubbing your feet helps. Keeping your spine limber helps. The Roy Masters meditation very powerful and helps a lot yeah these are all the wonderful components of a nutritional balancing program yes and those are just developed and added you should know that those were not part of dr x system none of those none of those were and you know that because if you get the report from analytical research labs it doesn't mention anything about it right yeah i always wondered that yeah that's because while they like me over there um, you know, they're loath to change everything from the way their father did it. Yeah. The children run the lab. And so they, both, they mostly do what their father taught, which was um, a very basic diet, not, not good enough, we find, and supplements and a healthful lifestyle, which I added. Paul Eck was not really focused too much on lifestyle. Um, and then since his death, uh, I've really refined the diet. <clears throat> We've added a lot of cooked vegetables to the diet because they're really necessary today. And so you... I always, go oh, I'll go, no, you go ahead. Well, one of the things I appreciate about Paul Eck is that he changed the program as conditions changed on Earth. This is the problem with a lot of the diets out there, Western Price, and vegetarian, and Mediterranean, and even the paleo diet, all these other things. Um, Paul Eck responded to the needs. He was very, very good that way. And as people's bodies have changed, which they really have, even since 1980, when I started with this, um, he would want to change the programs. He changed things. And so in adding all the cooked vegetables, we find that that's necessary today. The bodies are so toxic and so deficient in minerals um, that they they require that. And so one of the aspects of the diet you mentioned, um, definitely part of nutritional balancing, is eating meat. Um, eating because you need yeah. proteins for many, many reasons. And meat is not just proteins. It's mineral dense and other things. So because it does have estrogen and hormones, 
Many in the vegetarian community have decided to resolve that problem by cutting out meat completely. What is wrong with that, uh, that thinking or that rationale for cutting out meat? Well, first of all, if you're afraid of chemicals, you better not eat anything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. And you better not breathe the air. You know what I mean? And you better not bathe because the chemicals are in the water. Maybe you've heard that the, all the water supplies in the United States are now contaminated with medical drugs. When you take a drink of water or you take a bath or a shower, you know, you're getting heart pills, and you're getting birth control pills, you're getting, you know, antidepressants and so forth. That, that's, that's the reality. So this idea that just because um, you're afraid of chemicals, you're not going to eat meat, that doesn't make any sense, and you have to question that. Yeah. You shouldn't eat fruit, you shouldn't eat vegetables, you shouldn't eat anything. They're all full of chemicals. Yeah. Um, so that's number one. Meat is also important because it's young. And this concept, I wish you and other people would talk about more. Not many systems use it. The only one is macrobiotics, which I studied with Misho Kushi, and, uh, who's the leading man in that movement. But he, you know, there aren't many books on the subject. And, um, but he found it's an old oriental system. It's a little different from the Chinese um, uh, medicine, the traditional Chinese medicine uh, conceptions of uh, yin and yang. We find the macrobiotic is more accurate, but meat is very yang, and there's a need for that today. The, the bodies are yin. The time in the eon is yin. That is, the universe is quite expanded right now. Um, the chemicals are yin. The toxic metals are yin. The radiation from all the bombs and Fukushima and all this, that's all extreme yin. Um, the cell phone radiation, the computer radiation, that's very yin. And as a result, the bodies are yin. And we need yang in the, we need a yang components. And if you cut out all the yang from the meat, there's not many foods left. They yeah. just aren't. Because the other, the other food is yin. What happens to a body when it's too yin, aside from estrogen dominance? Um, well, estrogen dominance may happen. Um, that's not, I don't think the two are you know, synonymous exactly. Okay. There is an article on my website called Yin Disease. And yin is associated, yin means cold, means expanded, um, and sort of falling apart, you know, de 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 um, degenerating, sort of. And yin is associated with um, all the fungal problems, candida, copper poisoning, all the diseases with that, things like headaches, and PMS, spaciness, um, uh, depression, anxiety, um, and then it goes, it goes on from there. You know, diabetes and cancer, even heart disease today. All that is associated with yin today. Um, those are all diseases that are associated with the body getting too cold. And, of course, too cold means low thyroid, low adrenal, low oxidation, um, and, and other things. And it, it causes a, a whole host of problems. It also makes it impossible, in my experience, to detoxify. Um, when I think of detoxification, there are two methods, if you want to call this, the yin method and the yang method. And it's very important to distinguish them. The yin method is flushing toxins with water, with juices, with vitamins, which are very yin, by the way. All the supplements, especially herbs, are yin. Um, 
and you can you can get rid of toxins that way. That's the yin method. It's not working as well today. The yang method is more like um, wringing out, um, you know, wringing out your clothes in an old clothes wringer. Do you know what I'm talking about? That little thing you turn, and it would uh, you put your piece of clothing in there, and it squeezes it. Yeah. Like wringing out a towel. You know what I mean? Yeah. You squeeze the towel, you twist it, and you can wring you can wring out all the stuff that's in the towel. Yeah. That's a yang method. It contracts. It uses heat. It uses um, contraction. And that is more what we do in nutritional balancing today because that is working better. The yin method, which is a lot of juices, you know, and, and, and that kind of stuff, that's not working as well. So the sauna is more young? Yes, the sauna is hot and it's dry. Hot and dry, that's young. Yeah. The coffee enema, coffee is young, actually. Water is not young, but the coffee is. And uh, so we find that you're, if you're looking into detoxification, and this is in the article called Yin and Yang Healing, and it discusses these two basic methods. Yin and Yang are physics qualities, and they can be applied to everything. You know, cancers can be Yin or Yang. Arthritis can be caused by Yin, which is too cold and expanded, or it can be caused by Yang, which is too much heat. Yeah, I'm very interested in that. I'm definitely going to look more into that because as I've yeah. progressed in my uh, learning about nutritional balancing, which is, uh, there's a lot to learn, um, I'm definitely becoming more and more interested in that concept, that Eastern medical concept. Yes, you have to because otherwise it doesn't make sense. Otherwise, nutritional balancing doesn't seem to make sense. You know, it's like, well, why should we eat cooked vegetables? Why not eat raw? Well, raw is much more yin. Yeah. See what I mean? Yeah. We don't want yin. Now, there's other reasons. We get more minerals out of the cooked vegetables because we break down the fiber. But uh, we don't want yin. And, and why do we avoid nuts and seeds, which is part of the paleo diet and a lot of these other diets? Because they're very yin. Yeah. See what I mean? And raw food, in general, salads. We stay away. Why do we include the meat? Well, because it's yang. Meat and eggs, it's yang. Yeah. Um, and so if you don't have that component, you will not understand nutritional balancing as well. You won't understand it. Uh, yin is slow oxidation, basically. Yang is faster oxidation, more yang. Everything in nature is more yang or more yin. It's not absolute. Not nothing. It's all or nothing. Yeah, yeah. But, well, well, let's uh, let's. So Western dominance is a yin condition. More more of it today is a yin condition. Okay. Well, yeah. So how long can it take to detox estrogen from the body? Like once someone starts a nutritional balancing program? Well, you know what? We, we never give time. And the reason is, is that everybody does the program at their own pace. So we have some people, you know, who do it exactly right. Not too many. Yeah. <laughs> but we have some people who actually do the whole program. What we call a complete program. They do the saunas, the animas, they take their vitamins, they do the diet properly, which is a lot of cooked vegetables. And then there's a lot of people who do it halfway and a quarter of the way, and it's going to take them a lot longer. Yeah. So it's very hard to say. I would say if someone really does the program perfectly, that um, a lot of the detox could be done in a few years. Yeah. Um, anything less than that, um, I don't know. You know, you're somewhere along the way. 
Um, and if you don't do the program right, it can take you 10 or 20 years easily. Yeah, oh, well, <laughs> I'm in for the long haul. <laughs> yeah. No, I do so it really good. We want our people to be in for the long haul if possible. Yeah, I'm in it for the like long to, haul, for sure. We don't like to give um, time because it really varies. The other thing that really varies is the damage to the liver. Yeah. I just got through with a lady who had a healing reaction on her skin, and it was from, I think it was trichloroethylene as a child. She was exposed to this chemical. Um, you know, dry cleaning chemicals yeah, and yeah. other chemicals. And, oh my God, what a healing reaction this lady went through to get this stuff out. Uh, it came out on her skin and her skin looked horrible. And it took a whole year of, um, you know, just doing the program and it slowly, slowly went away. And now it's gone. But the point is that her liver was severely compromised. So is mine, by the way. And I'm still working through some of it. And if I do things wrong, I get my liver hurts. Yeah. Um, and it used to be so tender you couldn't touch it. Literally could, couldn't touch my liver because it just depends how much damage there is. And so it's very hard to give time because of that. Yeah. We don't really know what we're dealing with when we start with people. Yeah, and you know some... the analogy I use? I use the analogy of if you wanted to fix up an old house, let's say you bought an old house and you called in a repair crew, they might be able to look at it and tell you but until they start tearing down the walls and, and looking at the plumbing and looking at all kinds of stuff that's hidden, it's very hard to know, you know, what what it's going to take. See what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the same with your body. It's the same with your body. Yeah, definitely. Another this, analogy this... is if you take your car in because it's making a funny noise. You know, it's very hard until they tear the engine down a little bit to know um, what's wrong. It yeah. might, the car might just need an adjustment. The car might need a new motor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. So the, the same way. Mm-hmm. And the hair analysis is not always a good guide. In other words, the hair test may not look that bad initially. That's just the way it is. Yeah. I wish there were a simple test that could tell us how long it would take to get well, but there really isn't. Yeah, definitely. The, the, the sicker someone the is, the longer it takes them to get well. Well, you don't know that either, and you don't okay. know that you're sick. You don't know that you're sick. You may not realize you were exposed to trichloroethylene when you were five. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I had had a lot of antibiotics, but I didn't realize, you know, that those things stick around for 30, 40 years. So um, you really don't know. Um, it's very hard to know. There are a lot of contaminated water supplies in America. You may have drank from one of them when you were a child. You don't know those things. Yeah, I have a feeling that's my situation as well, that um, I've enjoyed you know, fairly good health for most of my life, but I've always been tired. Um, I've always been felt like I was just a lazy person or something of that nature, but I have a feeling that I've got some, uh, some definite detoxification and healing reactions coming in my future. <laughs> yes, actually, um, I, I also feel that you probably were exposed Quite a bit of toxic chemicals. Did you grow up in Los Angeles? I did not. I grew up in Texas. Yeah. Well, you know, it just depends what area. If yeah. there was industry nearby, uh, even agricultural areas and the pesticides that wash into the water supplies. You know, someday we're going to realize that all these things are connected. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. 
And so, so of course, because of all this toxicity in our environment, everyone's, I don't think it's very, very safe to say that everyone's liver is extremely toxic. We are not evolutionarily designed to handle all these chemicals. So you mentioned coffee enemas is an amazing way to detox and unclog the liver. Can you, you know, explain that a little bit more and how that clears excess estrogen from the body? Well, it's, I don't know that it clears estrogen per se. What it does, the coffee enema is one of the most amazing um, of the procedures. All the procedures that we use work in at least 10 different ways. Otherwise, we won't use them. In other words, we don't have time. We don't want to burden people and just say, well, first you have to do this, then you have to do that. And, and you know, next thing you know, it's evening and you've spent the whole day doing detox or, or health things making milkshakes or whatever, you know, people want you to do. So all of the procedures we use work in about 10 different ways at once, and the coffee enema is no different. Um, it, of course, does mechanical cleansing of the colon, which is the most one of the most diseased organs of most modern people, and that has to do with their diets mostly, and also not heeding the call of nature, you know, constipation, um, things like that, tension affects it. Um, but it also increases bile flow and it also, there are reflexes from the colon to the entire body. And in the Coffee Enema article on, on the website, I, I, uh, I printed out that chart. It's, it's from a book by Dr. Bernard Jensen. And it, it shows the, the relationship of the colon to the rest of the body through reflexes. He discovered this through iridology. And um, it's fa rather fascinating, rather fascinating. For example, uh, you know, along the ascending colon is a reflex up to your brain. And if you're having a problem with your brain, like a brain tumor or something, um, often there's something wrong with the colon in that area. It's, it's fascinating. It's a, pretty amazing. Um, so the coffee um, works at that level also, as well. Coffee is also known in homeopathy as the antidote, the major antidote. And they always tell you, don't drink coffee if you're going to do homeopathy because it will antidote their remedies. It will, you know, negate them. But we want that in, in our work because what it does is it antidotes frequencies. It literally stops harmful frequencies. Coffee can do this. It's the only substance that can do it, by the way. Um, and so we use coffee sort of the opposite of homeopathy. They don't like it because it works as an antidote. We like it as an antidote, and it seems to work at a frequency level, in addition to a physical level and chemical level. And uh, there are other things it does. It, it tends to move the energy down because putting the coffee in the, in the rectum is down low, and we want to move energy down the body, down the body. Um, I, I used to have a Tai Chi teacher. He said, you have to get the chi out of your head, and you do. You have to get the chi out of your head, and the coffee will do that. It'll move your attention down. Uh, even closing the anal sphincter, which you have to do with a coffee enema, or you're going to make a mess. Um, they use that in uh, the Oriental, in yoga, and other techniques um, to circulate energy in the body. Uh, they call it the root lock, 
Have you ever heard that term? I have. I wondered why my, my, I did yoga for a long time and why he would have us clenching our anus. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, the reason they do that is because there is an energy flow, and this has to do with acupuncture, meridians, and other, uh, something called channel therapy. And there's a flow, and it goes down the front of your body, and then it's supposed to turn around and go up the back. And it has to do that properly. And if the uh, anal sphincter is, um, is closed, um, it, it promotes that. And the coffee enema sort of automatically does that too. Um, I used to find it was much easier to do the Roy Matthews meditation when I had coffee inside of me. And I don't know all the reasons for that, but pulling the energy down, closing the root lock, um, and there's probably other reasons um, that it, it makes that much easier, it makes that process much easier. Um, the coffee anima also helps uh, turn off the sympathetic nervous system, which is very critical. That's what the sauna does that too. Um, the coffee also balances certain acupuncture imbalances that almost everybody has. They have uh, the liver and the large intestine are related in acupuncture. And the coffee enema, um, I believe it, it stimulates the liver and it weakens the large intestine. I may have that backwards, but I think that's correct. And that balances most people. That's necessary for most people. And so it's, there are many, many levels at which this therapy works. It's not simply one, not just a physical detoxification or chemical detoxification. Coffee, by the way, does have some particular uh, substances in it. I think they're called palmitic acids and other things. Um, those are described in the article, too, uh, that the body requires. So, um, and the other thing is that by taking it through the rectum, um, the toxins in the coffee are much less um, because coffee is not highly recommended. I noticed you had that as one of the questions. And we do allow people to drink a cup of coffee. Um, I don't recommend it, but, but we allow it. But that, that doesn't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that doesn't really help a lot. Um, we do, we do um, allow a cup of coffee. A, a, a day. Those real strong ones, by the way. Uh, you allow a, a cup. You allow one cup of coffee a day on a nutritional yeah, yeah. balancing a cup program. Of coffee is not going to ruin the program. Okay. It's irritating to the stomach, and some people, you know, it doesn't. I don't recommend it, but it, we allow it. So I know there's a lot of people that are trying to do a nutritional balancing program and still have their coffee. But I had because I've been drinking a cup of coffee a day for. I just started about a year and a half ago coinciding with my program and when I began my nutritional balancing program. But my question is, um, you mentioned in your, your text, nutritional balancing and hair mineral analysis, that cadmium is in coffee, which drives copper out of the blood and back into storage. So are you saying that you can't drink coffee and effectively detox copper that could be contributing no, to... you can. As I say, one cup of coffee, we allow that. We don't find that that won't interfere too much. There's not a lot of cadmium in there. Okay. There is some. And what you have to understand is that absorption in the stomach when you drink the coffee is different than absorption from the colon. You know, your, your colon, if you think about it, is this, it's not just a big pipe, which people think of it as, right? Just a pipe. No, it's this amazing organ that absorbs water from the stool and it absorbs nutrients with it 
but somehow or other it keeps the poisons out. You know, there's a lot of stuff that is in the is in the bowel movement, the, the stool is poisonous. I mean, very, very poisonous. You know, very bad stuff. As you can tell by the way it smells. And, you know, the reason they have sanitation systems is because it causes disease. Yeah. And so somehow or other, a, a intact colon is able to filter whatever is in there. It filters it, and it keeps the poison out, and it lets the good stuff back into the body. It absorbs the water and, and new, a certain amount of nutrients, and, it, and the rest is kept out. And that goes for when you put coffee in your butt. You know what I mean? Yeah. That the body can absorb the good, and yet somehow it keeps out the bad that's in the coffee, the, the toxin. And so that's why we use it that way, um, and it works. I mean, the bottom line is it works. Whereas drinking coffee, that's not so great. Yeah. There, I, there are too many toxins in coffee. Is the cadmium lower in organic coffee? I don't know that for sure. Okay. In other words, I don't think so necessarily. Okay. I don't think that that's the difference. I think the difference is mostly that the organic coffee would have fewer pesticide residues. So if you're doing a nutritional if you're doing a nutritional balancing program, do you recommend avoiding it just because the caffeine stimulates your adrenals, or but but you think it's one a cup a day is not going to hurt you? Well, we don't recommend it, but if you want to have one cup of coffee a day, um, it's all right. Okay. Um, it's recommended to avoid it. I would say. Okay. You know, drinking it. Yeah. Um, I don't think you need it. I don't think it does anything good. Okay. Um, People use it as a stimulant, mostly. Yeah. You know. Now, there are some studies that people who drink you know, a cup of coffee have a little less of certain diseases. So um, there, there are probably, there are some antioxidants in coffee, and there, there are some other things that are uh, decent in there, but we don't find it necessary by any means. Whereas doing the coffee by rectum, the coffee implant is really what it is, um, that has some amazing effects. Well, it seems like you'd still be absorbing all those antioxidants, but just not the toxins. Well, we don't even know what the colon, you know, the colon is so complicated. The body is so amazing. You know, exactly what it absorbs from the coffee. I've never seen studies. They wouldn't be so easy to do. Yeah. But you could, I suppose you could, if you studied coffee before you put it inside a person and then uh, you put it in and then study it again, you know, it and study it again and try to figure out what is what of the coffee has been expelled but you know coffee and all herbs coffee is an herb um, they're quite complicated and they really haven't been studied thoroughly it's not so easy to identify all the chemicals in, in an herb or a plant yeah so I had a, I, I had a question from a colleague um, basically, would there ever be a situation, for instance, in breast or po- prostate cancer, which are estrogen-related, where you would recommend supplementing with progesterone cream to oppose the estrogen or DIM as a supplement or any other supplements to counteract high levels of estrogen, which is basically the solution most MDs or NDs would recommend? Yeah, I would say we have not needed to do that. I am aware that some people do that, especially things like DIN, um, which work. You know what I mean? I'm not saying they don't work. What we would prefer instead of DIM would be to eat a whole lot of broccoli. Mm. You know what I mean? In other words, we would prefer to use the whole food 
people use broccoli powder, I know. Um, it's not as concentrated as a, as a chemical. Yeah. But um, what we find is if you do a whole nutritional balancing program, the body will get rid of that estrogen. It'll start detoxing it quite quickly. And so um, thus far, and I'm not saying this won't change, thus far we have not needed to go with those, um, with the, certainly with progesterone, which is adding another hormone, which is unnatural. You know what I mean? The body should make the hormones. And, uh, and the same with the DIM. Uh, haven't needed to do that. Doesn't mean we would never do it, you know, ever again. But um, so far we have not needed to because there's so much other um, detoxification going on with nutritional balancing and balancing of the body that the estrogen levels fall pretty quickly. Okay. So let's talk about... They, well, just, just one more thing. Oh, sorry. Is that the naturopath and the holistic people who are using those products, and I, I by the way, I flirted with them in, in years past. I have flirted with using those. They don't, um, they're not really cleaning out the body. They're not really balancing things. You see what I'm saying? They just say, well, you got PMS here, take some estrogen. I take some progesterone. You know what I mean? Yeah, They're just not symptomatic. They're really the body. They're using it as a remedy. And we don't find we need remedies in most cases. We don't like remedies. We don't need them. The problem with remedies are they're not whole system. In other words, they fix one problem, but they can cause five others. Yeah. That's the problem with remedies, all remedies. They're not associated with the whole system. There are some remedies, like the coffee enema, which we call etheric remedies because they do a, do a lot of things with the whole system. And, um, you know, some of this is semantics, you know, what you call a remedy. But um, they work on the whole system. But just taking DIM or uh, uh, progesterone, certainly, those are not. Progesterone definitely is something that's supposed to be produced within the body. DIM is found in vegetables such as broccoli, even though um, you have to eat a lot. Okay. Well, so let's talk about hormone replacement therapy because that's something that most doctors, if you go and you find out your chemistry your uh, is out of whack, you're menopausal, you have adrenal fatigue, the first thing they do is going to recommend hormone replacement therapy. So what are your thoughts on that, and do you recommend it? Clearly you don't, but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, there, there's, a, there's a long article on the website called Hormone Replacement Therapy. We find that that's pretty horrible, hormone replacement therapy. Um, it gives quick results, so doctors like it. <clears throat> but they're not rebuilding the body. <clears throat> if you rebuild the body, the hormones start you know, normalizing of themselves. If there's too much, they start going down. If it's too little, they start going up. That applies to thyroid, which is probably the most common hormone replacement by, by a long shot, by the way, because that one is used by regular medical doctors. It's used by the naturopaths, the holistic people. All kinds of people are giving hormone uh, thyroid replacement. We find we never need that, or it's very rare. The only time we need it usually is if your thyroid was surgically removed. Um, then, you, then you're going to need thyroid hormone replacement. Otherwise, we find it just gets in the way. Hormones are supposed to be produced within the body. The levels are supposed to change from minute to minute, literally, depending on what you're doing, how much stress you're under, how tired you are, 
you know, what you're digesting and all the rest. And when you start giving uh, hormone replacement, that you are, um, you're upsetting the whole feedback system, the whole natural hormone feedback system. If you're lucky, it works, at least for a while, but you're not rebuilding the body. And that's the difference with nutritional balancing. We, we rebuild people, we balance people. The hormones take care of themselves. That's what we find. And doesn't that hormone replacement therapy, can't that induce estrogen dominance and cause cancers? Well, sure, because hormones are toxic. And I don't care if they're bioidentical. They're still, in general, they're toxic substances. They're very powerful substances. They're worse, by the way, than a lot of medical drugs. If we find a person, you know, people always have to tell me what drugs they're taking. And when they tell me, you know, they're on antidepressants and they're on muscle relaxants, and then they tell me they're on thyroid. Often, I will say, you know what, the most important one to get off of is thyroid. And by the way, the same applies to the adrenal one, DHEA, pregnenolone. Uh, those, those things are powerful. They are powerful substances. I don't care if they're over-the-counter, which they are, some of them. Um, those are powerful substances. Um, and so uh, we find we don't need them. That's the only answer. That's the best answer I can give you. And the doctors that do need them, it's because they're they're not doing other things. And then you know, nutritional balancing is not for everyone. You know this. Um, we do ask quite a bit of people. We want them to change their diet. We want them to take about eight supplements, and that's the that's the minimum. And so a lot of doctors, they're looking for the magic bullet. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what their customers they want, want. They don't want to do all that. That's too much work. Oh yeah. They just want they just want to do some tests. They want to say, oh yeah, your testosterone is low. Here, take this stuff and you'll feel better. And you know what? They, the people do feel better for a while, uh, at least uh, a lot of them, not all of them. Um, and so everybody's happy. And um, so that's a style of practice. We don't feel that's a responsible style of practice because you're not rebuilding the body. You're not balancing the body. Person may be about to have a heart attack. You're not addressing that. You're just fixing one little thing. Nutritional balancing tends to fix everything. Yeah. It brings up your traumas. You know what I mean? Your emotional traumas, which can be very important. So it's um, it's a difference between the systems. How's that? I don't, I don't know how to put it. Yeah, and so... Uh... Is, would there be, ever be a situation where home, hormone replacement therapy, say for estrogen or progesterone, is warranted? For instance, if a woman has had a hysterectomy with both of her ovaries removed? We don't find that that one is necessary. There would be, just like I mentioned, that we do, we do give people thyroid hormone replacement, or we, we, we don't give it necessarily, but we, you know, we say take it if you don't have a thyroid. Um, if you don't have your adrenals, you'll have to take adrenal hormones. Um, if you don't have your ovaries, um, your adrenals should produce enough female hormones that you'll be fine. And of course, that's true of every menopausal woman. Um, and so just because you have hysterectomy with the ovaries removed is not a reason to take a hormone replacement. Um, there might be a time for a while if a diabetic needed insulin um, to you know, save their life. But actually, if they start eating correctly, usually the need for insulin drops quickly. <clears throat> you know, blood sugar can come under control. 
the answer is yes. If the if the organ producing your basic supplements has been destroyed or surgically removed, um, and it's mostly your adrenals or your thyroid, um, then or your pancreas, I suppose, um, then some hormone replacement is necessary. If you have pituitary problems, you may have to take pituitary hormones. You know, uh, there are certain illnesses. Those are quite rare, but they do exist. Otherwise, though. Um, we find that they are not necessary. Okay. Well, in a book you authored called Nutritional Balancing with Hair Mineral Analysis, you say that high copper women are often diagnosed as estrogen dominant, so copper toxicity contributes to estrogen dominance, but what does true estrogen dominance look like? Can you have estrogen dominance if you have low copper, or is high copper always a trait of estrogen dominance? Well, you know what? I haven't studied that um, in depth, but I'm going to guess that high copper tends to be a feature always of um, estrogen dominance. And one reason I say that is because high copper is so common. It may not show up on a hair test, but there's what we call hidden copper indicators. And those are things like high calcium level, very low potassium level, low sodium-potassium ratio, um, high mercury, uh, low zinc. These are these are hidden copper indicators. I have all of those. Level, <laughs> a, yeah, and the copper level is less of an indicator, um, although sometimes it's an obvious one if it's you know it's very elevated. And by the way, a copper less than one, even a copper, um, a copper less than uh, 2.5, but uh, particularly when the copper is very low, that's another indicator, hidden copper. Um, and so there is a correlation, Dr. X found this, between copper and estrogen. There is a correlation in the body. They go up and down together. And so um, I'm guessing that there is a relation between estrogen dominance and copper, which is a very common imbalance today, as you know. So how does one get rid of copper out of their body? Obviously, doing a nutritional balancing program is an amazing way, but what... You have to do that, because yeah. otherwise it's not... It's not clear that it's going to work. In other words, there are people who give penicillamine, that's a chelating agent, but it's dangerous stuff. There's people who give a lot of zinc, but that tends to throw your body out of balance, or vitamin B6, you know, but you know, you can easily throw the body out of balance by just, you know, giving these random vitamins. You can give vitamin C, that'll lower copper. Um, it's a copper chelator. Um, and so there, you know, people use various methods but we don't like those methods because they're often wrong and they make you worse. They may get rid of your copper, but what else are they doing? You see what I mean? We never like to focus on one mineral. Dr. Eck learned this. You don't, if you possibly can, you know, don't focus on mercury and don't focus on copper. It's okay when you're learning, but um, you really want to fix everything. Yeah. They're all related. They're all related. Otherwise, you go from the frying pan to the fire. Yeah, what I found with a lot of my clients or the handful that I have is that, uh, and studying your text, is that vegetarians tend to all be copper toxic. Why is that? Yeah, because the main source of zinc is meat. In other words, zinc and copper have to be balanced. If you want to look at high copper foods, they tend to be your vegetarian foods. Nuts, seeds, beans, grains. Um, you know, there's other ones like avocado, but those
those are high copper, whereas the, um, the zinc foods tend to be meat. And there are very few sources of zinc other than meat. The pumpkin seeds, but how many of those can you eat? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so your vegetarians, almost by, um, by definition, are copper toxic. Also, when you do a vegetarian diet, it's yin, it often slows down your adrenal glands. And when that happens, you can't process copper properly. That was one of Dr. X's insights. Um, it has to do with ceruloplasmin and the copper binding proteins and things like that. At least that was what he believed and found. And uh, I haven't been able to disprove it, certainly. And as a result, the copper starts building up. And so um, there may be you know, multiple reasons, simple nutritional reasons why you're getting more copper and you're not getting the zinc to balance it and also more complex chemical reasons why vegetarians all tend to be copper toxic. Yeah, that's certainly what I found. And because I was vegetarian for a couple of years, uh, I'm sure I was yep. slightly copper toxic prior to that, but it, it really uh, nailed my health. <laughs> and I think uh, yeah, raised my... You know my... what? The, the children are being born copper toxic today. You know, if, you have to, if you really want to go all the way back, you might have been born that way. Yeah. And then you junk up your liver with medical drugs and vaccines and, you know, junk food. And that makes it worse because you start to weaken your adrenals. Stress tends to work in your, weaken your adrenals, especially the women. I think you asked me about the women. Well, I, I forgot that factor. Women are under more stress. They are. They're, they're subject to being raped. They're subject to, uh, you know, they're just not as strong as men. And the traditional roles are gone today. Uh, women used to be, it used to be a little easier because the women just stayed at home and it was a more peaceful environment. They weren't out in the working world, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And so um, all that contributes, stress, uh, contributes to copper problems. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how some of these women do it. They're working, they've got all these pregnancies and three kids and they have to do the cooking and the cleaning and... Uh, yeah, well, you know what? They're all... Um, Someone had a joke. They said, "I think they said, in the '80s, women uh, women had it all. In the '90s, the women just had it." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and so what you see now is a lot more depression. The women are all getting lung cancer, and they're getting all these diseases they never used to get. They're men's diseases, um, and the women are just a mess, a mess. And that means the whole society is a mess because the women are having the babies. Yeah. And that's why nutritional balancing, you may have noticed it on my website and also in the dedication of my book, that it's dedicated to women. we got to fix the women. The young mothers, the young mothers-to-be, the teenagers. Um, and I believe that this is a deliberate attack on America and her people is to attack the women because the women bear the children. And... You know, even the doctors, to me, have forgotten about that. Or they wouldn't allow the teenage girls to paint their toenails and paint their fingernails and use hair dyes and all this junk on their skin. Um, you know, even the braces now, they're made out of nickel again. They're poisoning all the kids. Yeah. And then we wonder why the kids are born autistic and ADD. And, of course, we can see it in their hair tests. They're just disaster areas. Yeah. But the women... Uh, have to be the focus. They have to be the focus. Not that we don't want to help the men. We do. But um, 
the women are a total mess, and and that means the society's a mess. That's the future. And what's sad is it doesn't take that much work, and we can produce super babies, and we can produce super children, and super everything. Um, the the mothers though, and the mothers to be need to go on programs. Yeah, I'm hoping in another year or two, or within the next year or two, to get pregnant again. So I'm uh, just really thankful that I found nutritional yeah, balancing to, to clean up my right. body. And you want to do it now because it takes a couple of years. But even if we get the women when they just become pregnant, uh, we can do a lot. The saddest ones are women who say they're afraid to go on a program because their doctor doesn't want them to, or they're afraid to go on a program during pregnancy. Yeah. We find I used to be very afraid of it too because I didn't know what would happen. I didn't know if toxic metals would come out in the baby. But it doesn't happen that way. And in fact, uh, as of right now, we find it's the opposite, that not to go on a nutritional balancing program when you're pregnant um, or as part of your prenatal care is insane. Not to go on is dangerous. That's how how good it is. And that's not true of other nutrition programs. Just taking a pile of vitamins when you're pregnant that's not the answer. Yeah. It doesn't work. Yeah, I had a client of mine. She got pregnant and she uh, her, went to her OBGYN and he approved all the supplements on nutritional balancing, which I was really happy about. Yeah, well, that's lucky. Most of them don't or they don't know how to evaluate it. They never call me. You know, you'd think they might call and at least talk about it, but they don't have the time or they're not interested. Um, and instead, they give the women you know, a one-size-fits-all prenatal vitamin, most of them are loaded with copper, if you've looked at them. Oh, yeah. The turn up. And uh, that's not going to do it. That's just not going to do it. Not for today's women. And that's why I have a foundation, and the foundation is, su- is supporting children and women under 30, uh, help them pay for vitamins, because um, we, have to, we have to fix them. There's no question. Yeah. We have to, we have to fix the women. So what do you think is the most pressing health issue in the world today? Um, Well, that's a good question. I don't know that I've thought about it, but I'll tell you one thing, nutrition. The nutrition of the people around the world and the depletion of the food supply and the junk food and the ignorance of the medical doctors and the public health authorities about nutrition, you know, where they're all gung-ho on vaccinations and fluoridation, but they don't know anything about it know very little about nutrition um that's definitely one of the major problems on earth you know there's no question that and maybe the proliferation of nuclear weapons and you know nuclear power plants you know sources of radiation and also some of the chemical uh, problems like uh, building all these power plants in china where they just spew all this junk into the air um those, those are important problems too um, but the, the generally poor state of nutrition of most people on earth is definitely one of the, you know, one of the major problems. And that's why we're doing this. I mean, it seems like it's a little effort. We don't reach many people, but you know what? It's a, it's a kind of a grassroots thing. And if enough people start yelling and screaming about it, maybe it'll reach some of the higher levels of government. You know, I don't know. I don't know if you know that Michelle Obama was interested in childhood obesity, but boy, they shut her up. Have you noticed that? No. 
Yes. When, the, when they were first elected, Michelle Obama was running around and giving talks about this. And she grew a garden, an organic garden at the White House and all this stuff. But now you hear nothing. Nothing. Not a word. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't notice that, it, that she was doing this big campaign at one point. Yeah, but they stopped that. You see, there are forces that don't want all this knowledge to get out. Yeah. I know that because I get nasty emails now and then. Huh. And so you have to know that, that this is not an accident, that the, the poor nutrition on Earth is not an accident. Um, there are forces that do not want people to be healthy. Yeah. And unfortunately, most of the people, like the doctors and the public health people, they just kind of repeat all the same old stuff they learned in school. They don't think about it too much. The knowledge is there. You know that. The, the, the evidence is there. Um, but you have to dig a little bit, and you can't listen to the standard authorities. You realize, you have to start to realize, as I did, and it was very shocking when I did, that um, they're, they're rather ignorant. They're rather ignorant. And they're very patronizing and paternalistic and, oh, yeah, we, we have the answers, and blah, 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 or whatever it is. But they really don't have the answers. Yeah, it doesn't... It doesn't seem far-fetched to me that if the big pharma has a billion-dollar industry, the billions and billions, if not trillions, and yes, the... they're part of it. Big pharmaceutical uh, industry. Um, and in, in some of the Western countries, um, it may sound, this may sound like conspiracy theory, but there's no question that um, certain forces, you can call them communism, they don't want us to be healthy. They yeah. don't want us to be healthy. And they definitely conspire with the drug companies and the medical schools, the professions. They control the medical profession. And they even control some of the other you know, healing professions. Um, so they really don't want the people to know the truth. Yeah, and the cancer industry, billions and billions of dollars, the equipment, testing, drugs. The, I mean, it's not surprising. They want to protect their investments and their interests and their profits. Yeah, part of it is money. Part of it is also power. Um, you know, a healthy population, you can't suppress them. Uh, the dictators know this. All these African dictators that keep their people starving. You know, there doesn't have to be people starving all over the world. And I remember reading, um, I guess her name is Frances Moore LePay. She wrote about, um, first she was a vegetarian. She said, well, you know, we could produce more food if we skip the meat. But then she wrote and she said, no, it's leaders. It's political leaders that keep their people starved. They keep their people starving. Why? Because they can control them. You know, I think people would laugh at Obamacare if they weren't so sick. Yeah. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't worry about it because I don't plan to use any of that. Yeah, that's why I don't have health insurance. I don't need it. I, there's nothing and offers yeah. me nothing except perhaps some good right. diagnostic testing, but I don't really need that. Yeah, so you have to understand that the, those who would control us do not want us healthy. It's not just about money. It's control and power. They don't want the people healthy, and um, so they prefer people not know about nutrition, and they prefer that you listen to drug ads on TV all day, which you do. I watch the Hallmark Channel now and then, and it's amazing. Every other drug ad is a drug ad. Yeah. Every other ad. And, you know, you watch thousands of those ads, you become conditioned. Oh, yeah. You know, everything's a drug. Um, and 
it's very clear they, they don't want the people healthy and they control the medical journals. It, their control is pretty amazing and their public relations is wonderful. You know, they're on TV, they run the FDA. Yeah, I try to tell my clients when their their doctors have recommended certain medications, especially for cholesterol, that the protocols that are written, which prompt doctors to prescribe these medications, they are written by doctors that are paid by the pharmaceutical industry to prescribe those medications. So you, you just have to be yeah. very careful. Your physician is not always an impartial person that's submitting health care to you. Yeah, that's absolutely right. There's an article on my website called Your Doctor's Priorities. Your Doctor's Real Priorities. And um, people don't realize this, but you are not your doctor's priorities. You are not your doctor's priorities. Your doctor first has to answer to the licensing board. Your, your doctor may have to answer to his legal beagles, you know, his legal people and practice what they call defensive medicine. Uh, your, life, your doctor may have to answer to um, insurance companies and HMOs, and you're somewhere down the line, number three, four, five, something in there. And people need to realize that it's a sad fact today, and the more the government gets involved, the worse it gets. The better way was when the doctor just answered to you. That's how, that's how it should be, and then you'll get the truth. Yeah, and it pains me to think of when, um, you know, say a doctor diagnoses a client as having high cholesterol. If they're just a little over 200 and their cholesterol numbers, automatically they're written a statin prescription because if they don't and you have a heart attack, the family can sue them for malpractice. So a lot of times they're yeah. prescribing medicines because there's no skin off their back if you get sick from this medication or you just the cholesterol medication destroys your brain and your libido and your liver. Um, but if they don't do it, they could get sued. So they're going to prescribe you the medication. Yes. Well, the other thing you have to realize, because I was trained with these doctors, they're all scared. They're all scared of their medical boards. Uh, they're scared of their legal people. Um, and they're, that's just the way it is. And, of course, they're not healthy themselves. Um, we find, you know, if you, if you have high cholesterol, if you want to take a statin drug, you can take red rice yeast. It's, um, it's sold in the health food store. It has the same chemical in it that the statin drugs does, and it works fine without the side effects. Hmm. And probably costs a tenth as much. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. It's very interesting. Yeah, yeah if you want to do that. We, we don't worry about that too much, not at my old elevation. Um, but, yeah, the, doctor, the medical profession is sad today. It's very sad. It's a dysfunctional system. It's sort of like the education system. You know, the, the education system is making people stupid. The medical profession is making people sick. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a very interesting concept um, of why why these things are reversed. Yeah. You know, criminal justice system often produces more criminals. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dr. Wilson, thank you so much for coming on the show. That was really, really interesting. And I have to say that I, I really respect what you're doing. You, you oversee hundreds of nutritional balancing practitioners, and you personally review thousands of hair mineral analyses every year performed by each and every nutritional balancing practitioner. That seems like a very yeah, we daunting... Have a, we have about 100 practitioners. Oh, 100? Okay. Yeah. I was just kind of yeah, guessing I at that. We review 100 to 150 tests a week. 
Oh, wow. I know that seems like a very daunting undertaking and a huge responsibility. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I, I really can't express enough how much I, you know, how much I admire health practitioners like yourself that are, you know, they're advocating innovative and incredibly effective ways to heal the body like nutritional balancing is you've turned my health around and uh, really presented a program that allows me to do the same for others. So I really can't express my thanks enough. Well, thank you. Thank you. And um, keep up the good work. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and uh, listeners, if you want to find a Dr. Wilson's site, you can go on drlwilson.com. Dot com And definitely, I highly recommend checking out his, over 900 plus articles on his site. There, I When I do research, I'm constantly returning to his site again and again and again because I find I'm, I, you know, research the web and try to find information on various subjects. And then I always return to Dr. Wilson's site because I find it's just very thoroughly researched and tends to be the most accurate information that I can find. So I definitely recommend his site. If you want to learn more about the modern paleo diet, weight loss, or how to do a real detox with nutritional balancing, you can find me on livetoone110.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter at IWillLiveTo110. And I'm also on YouTube at WendyLiveTo110. Hate that URL, (laughs) but I can't change it. They won't let me change it, the bastards. Uh, And I'm also on Instagram and Pinterest at lived 110. So much simpler. And if you want to find me, the General Lee, you can find me at generalleeleigh.com. On Instagram at my IG name is Jen, G-E-N-L-E-I-G-H, Jen Lee. And lastly, you can find me on YouTube under my full name, which is Lee Lowry. Or you can Google me at General Lee and find me. And if you like what you heard on the show today, please give the Live to 110 podcast a review on iTunes. A positive review would be wonderful. Yeah, not a scathing review. Positive. (laughs) (laughs) What are those chicks? They're talking too much. What are they doing? Just get to the interview already. Gosh. No, but um, but we would appreciate it so much if you give us a nice review because that's going to help us get our message out to the world on health. The more reviews you have, the easier it is for people to find you when they do a search for health. And everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, don't let estrogen take over your life. Toss the toxic commercial care products. Skip the estrogenic foods like soy. Get that liver working with coffee enemas and kick estrogen's butt. So thank you so much for listening to the Live to 110 podcast. (laughs) 